Hello friends. In today's episode, Dr. Jessica DeRosia talks to us about how she was able to connect with her inner light and how she can help you clear the clutter, foster the light, and share it with others. Hello. You're listening to the Women of All Action, Wisdom, and Excellence podcast. I'm your host, Adrienne Dillard. The Women of All podcast is a podcast that celebrates the everyday woman who in her everyday activities has exhibited action when needed, wisdom as required, and excellence as a routine to make life better for herself, her family, and or her community. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode. and welcome, Dr. Jessica DeRosier. It's so nice to have you here on the Women of All podcast. Well, thank you, Adrian. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me. You're very welcome. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself and what it is you do? Sure. So I am a clinical psychologist by trade, and I say that that's, it's more of kind of what I do. And I graduated from the Georgia School of Professional Psychology back in 2005 with my doctorate degree. And my path took me on working with inmates in federal and state prisons, um, and then eventually to working with the military, active duty, and then veterans. And from there, I realized that some of my values and some of the way I wanted to treat and heal others was inconsistent with the government's way of what they perceived as um, how they wanted to heal and treat others. Um, the government tends to go with more of an evidence-based um, treatments. And although I do think there's utility in them, I think that we also have to look outside the box and not everybody fits in this cookie cutter uh, six to 12 sessions. Right. And government, yeah. I guess, is more traditional. We need proof. We need statistics yes. data to support it. Yeah. And that really wasn't where your focus was at the time. It wasn't. And it, it was more to, you know, within the prison system, it was more about managing the prisoners, managing the individuals there rather than really treating them and healing the pain that probably created the situation that got them there to begin with. Had you always been leaning more towards healing? Because that's not a term most people would use in yeah. the government. No. <laughs> Have you always been leaning more towards healing? as opposed to just using traditional medicine, which is, I think a lot is just handing medication. Yeah, and I think there's, again, great utility in medication, great utility in um, certain treatments for certain individuals. But I also think that in order for us to get down into the real uh, meat, perhaps, of what the individual experience, you have to go into the heart, you know? And the heart, going into the heart doesn't look like six to 12 sessions and doing A, B, and C to get there. And the, the individual also, it takes time for an individual. I worked particularly with um, individuals who've experienced trauma over the course of their life and worked as a trauma psychologist through the federal systems. Um, and, you know, <laughs> it often takes six to 12 sessions just to develop, to develop rapport and a relationship with the individual, right? And to develop some level of trust. I mean, these people have had trauma from often the day they were born, right? So right. if I jump right into treatment with somebody who's experienced trauma, there's not going to be any trust. There's not going to be any relationship. And really the, the biggest thing about healing is the relationship, right? Yeah. That's providing the corrective emotional experience for the individual. All right. Mm -hmm. So and more of a holistic. I would say back in the, I would say back in the day, I was very much 
ABC, evidence-based, so on and so forth. I've been trained in, in all those sorts of things. Right. Um, I think that, and I think that was also very protective for me because I didn't have to get into my heart, right? I could do whatever standardized treatment I needed to do. Um, and I didn't have to get into perhaps more of the things that were bothersome for me in order to really be a good doctor, right? right? And so it wasn't until later on, maybe like, what I went 2005, what are we in now? It's been a bit, right? So maybe like 10 years in, I started to learn, um, well, probably a little bit less than that. I started to learn that this isn't, these treatments are great and they do get rid of some of the symptoms, but they're not treating the whole person, right? And then I started to get into my own healing journey. And from there realized, okay, there's much more here, much, much more here. What led you to that healing journey and desiring to go into your heart to heal? Yeah, so I experienced a very tragic event in my life. Um, and I'm gonna cry because that's my continued expression right. of grief for my son. Um, in 2011, my son um, was diagnosed with spinal muscular atrophy type one, which is a terminal illness. And he was diagnosed at six weeks old. And so we knew that from that diagnosis, he would not likely live until the age of one. Um, and so over the course of his disease, he deteriorated slowly and got to the point where he wasn't able to breathe or eat on his own. Um, walk. It wasn't able to do any of the things that typical children do, right? Um, so I had to give up control. And I think for so long throughout my life, I was holding on to this illusion of control, right? I had experienced trauma as a child, right? So if I can make everything perfect around me, if everything looks okay, then I'm okay. And if I'm okay, then everything's safe, which is so not reality. <laughs> so Isaiah, when he passed away, I realized that my my control was all an illusion. Now, did I still try to maintain it? Of course I did, <laughs> right? Because I think we're human beings and especially following trauma, that's what we try to to grasp onto is some level of control that we don't have. Um, but I think in loving him so much and having my heart shattered, that that allowed me to go within and start to heal not only that tragedy, but other ones from childhood. I'm so sorry that you went through that. I'm so sorry for your loss. I can't even imagine having experienced what you did, but you used it to not only help yourself, but to be able to help others. Yeah, I see, you know, and when I was going through that, of course, there was nothing I could see that was good about it. <laughs> Now being, and I was in a fog many years prior, past his, his death um, to the unfortunate, um, which is unfortunate because I have a stepdaughter that lived with us and I think that we kind of checked out from her, right? And there's some pain there, um, which I feel a lot of regret for. Um, but yes, what did I, I learned that, that I, I just, I learned a lot. I learned that within trauma, there's great treasure right? That despite this tragedy in my life, there was such great opportunity. Like I feel now like his death was a gift to me. 
and the gift hasn't just ended. It wasn't a one-time gift, like for my birth, right? It was, this is a gift that continues to give. But of course it takes a while to get to that point to even recognize that. Was there anything in particular that helped you work through this? I think what happened was, well, number one, I came to, I got out of the VA system that, um, with, with, and all my vets, God love them, they came with me and I'm in private practice now. And the individual, the colleague that I um, was renting an office from was very, very, and is very, very heart centered. So she is just all about love and nurturing. And I think that that was just like, oh, I could breathe again. And then within that breath, I was like, all right, I need to work on some of the stuff that's kind of clogging me up. I'm just in autopilot. I'm in a trance and I need to, to get out of it, especially for my daughter, my daughter, uh, Nevea, who was born at like two years later following the death of my son. So through that, I went into my own therapy, um, did some pretty intense uh, therapeutic work and got actually connected to an energy healer. And with that energy healing, I started connecting to more and more of my spiritual gifts. Um, and actually going back for a second, when I was in actually working at the Veterans Affairs, there was one of my colleagues, we were doing some sort of a colleague self, you know, growth day, whatever, I don't know what the heck it was. And it was through that meditation, it was a meditation on healing the chakras. And it was through that meditation was the first time I've connected, I connected with my son, with his spirit. And then I was like, and I just was in tears, right? I was floored. Like, what is this? I don't even know what this was. That was the first time. I was ever on in the spirit world right and then from there it just kept opening and opening and opening and he would come to me energetically of course in spirit and speak to me and talk to me about why these why it happened can you tell us what that's like I think I could breathe oh. I think I think I knew we could still have a relationship. It wouldn't, I wouldn't see him and be with him in his physical form. Right. But he never died. His spirit's still there, right? And so knowing that is very comforting. It's very soothing. So you went into the spirit world, which I think is incredible. I actually had another. Tell me a bit about the energy healing. Do you use that as part of your work with your clients and your clients? So since then, I think I experienced what I call these downloads from the divine, where I receive information about individuals. So when I meet with an individual now, it's almost like I can connect with their soul or their highest self. And then that part of them tells me what needs to be healed. And then I channel the divine and the archangels through me, through something called light language. Um, that provides some sort of energy healing and activation of awakening for them. And so now I, I often, we use the traditional word healing, right? But I see it more as I'm not healing anything because I believe each and every one of us is perfect in our own right. We are whole. We've always been whole. So it's more of a remembering. It's a more of a remembering your light and your love rather than healing it. Because nothing needs to be fixed with any of us. We're beautiful. We're flawed. We're human, right? Sure, uh, but but we're beautiful. I love the remembering. Because yeah. You're right. I mean, sometimes really we just really have to awaken it. Yeah. 
And, you know, for so throughout our lives, right, people tell us things, we, we perceive certain things and we make up these lies about ourselves, right? Yeah. We're not good enough. We're not worth it. Um, you know, we can't trust. We're unlovable, whatever it may be. Right. And, but those are just lies, right? Those are just things we tell ourselves and th that armor our heart, right? So for me and my healing, it was about unarmoring my heart, taking those walls down and getting back to that light that's always been there armoring the heart and that's true and often it's not just us telling ourselves it's other people totally. information on us and mm -hmm. labeling us with certain things that really aren't true but we can't figure out how to express it therefore it, we yeah. can't accept it yes and often as children right when we're in a situation where someone's harming us whether it's physically sexually emotionally in order to survive that situation we have to be the bad person we have to in some way and it's, it's a sense of control too right there's if i'm feeling helpless and i don't have control in this situation if i say that i'm bad then at least i feel like i've got some level of control there yeah. right but it's not true so i think that you know isaiah comes to me sometimes in terms of helping me see possibly energetically within an individual what might need to be healed or he often put he's very pushy right so he often is pushy in telling me what i need to do and da, 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 what i need to write what i need to put out there for workshops and so on and so forth so i sometimes have to remind him that i'm still in my little earthly body down here and i am not at the frequency he is at yes. you know? <laughs> <laughs> but what a gift that he's given you that he is able to help you with this yeah you connect with people yeah it, it's a wonderful gift and i think partly you know the reason that he was here with us um and left us is that he was teaching me how to fully love right to open my heart so that i can be the mother i need to be for my daughter nevea and also in learning some of these spiritual gifts and connections to the energetic and spirit world she's very she's a highly sensitive child who's also very gifted so she often sees spirits talks to spirits animals things and so forth so i think that a lot of my journey is to learn how to cope with that manage that deal with that and also help her yes that's mm -hmm. fantastic because i'm just envisioning a child like that who has a parent like me maybe who's not in tune, <laughs> not, not really in tune to that and can't really help him or her or them work through whatever it is they're going through and have no clue what to do so it's yeah. a, also another blessing that you are in a position to do that and I'm yeah. glad she has you to help her through yeah and to teach other parents too right because I think a lot of times we're in this place of wanting to just quickly diagnose somebody with problems sensory issues ADHD so on and so forth and all of which may be true however the, a lot of the children that are coming into this world this, these days are much more advanced than we are, much more advanced. Um, and they're much more sensitive to um, things that are outside of our, our physical existence. And so I think part of it too is to teach parents and teachers that these children don't have problems, they actually have gifts, right? And how might we foster these gifts rather than labeling them something and squashing them down into what society wants them to be? Do you have a way to connect with more parents to kind of even get them thinking about that? Because well, it's funny you mentioned. Mm -hmm. Okay, go ahead. Let's hear it's it. It's funny you mention this because, you know, recently I've been getting some information coming from the greater, the greater wide. Yeah. Um, 
that I need to start writing some children's books. Um, so I've written a couple of those. I have not published them. I just wrote them like in the last couple of days that I have to start writing some children's books. I have to start disseminating some information to teachers with my yeah. child. And I've also started offering some workshops for teachers in terms of how to how to foster these children who are highly sensitive and gifted. So I see that all kind of emerging. <laughs> I think that's a natural flow too. Once mm-hmm. you start becoming more aware and learning more than you want to share with everyone else to help them. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And I think a lot of us, and especially, you know, within our generations, right, there wasn't any time for connecting with spirits, right? I mean, you were doing what you need. You get your chores done. You do what you need to do. You're not heard, right? You, you just, you keep it moving. The, right. That's exactly right. And it's funny you said yeah. you're not heard. No, you're not heard. And yeah. for my generation, it was children were seen and not heard. Completely. You have a problem, keep it to yourself. There's nothing we can do about it because I'm busy working or you know, yes. I'm taking care of my family or whatever. Yeah, exactly. this is definitely a different world. And mm-hmm. it's good because it now these kids won't get left behind. They won't develop more traumas from not being heard. Yes, that's that's the hope, right? You know, and I think sometimes people will go in saying like, you know, sometimes these kids are snowflakes or or they're, they're too sensitive and this, that, and the other. But I also wonder, you know, what pain have, have they not dealt with within their lives, right? How, how are their hearts armored up, similar to how mine was, yeah. you know? That's true. Oh, wow, that is very true. Because yeah. we, we don't take the time. Really, most of us will not take the time to really look in and see what needs to be addressed in our history, right. in our past. Yes, which which I believe is is where where kind of we are at in society today with the such dis- divisiveness, right? And um, yeah, if we go in and we heal, if if we investigate our reactivity when we're with an individual or when we're in a situation, and then go in and nurture that reactivity for what that part needs, then I think there would be a lot less violence, there would be a lot less anger, and there would be more connection and unity. I, I, I totally agree with that. But do you think it's because we're constantly moving that we don't take the time? Yeah, our society, yeah, yeah our society's that values, um, you know, money, material items, keep it moving, get bigger, get more. Um, and there often isn't a lot of time for stillness, right? Because all the parents are working, the kids are going to school, these crazy hours, and they're doing all these sports, all these activities, and there's no time for just sitting, Right. And just being, which is, I believe, one of the gifts of the quarantine. Right. It has pushed us to slow down. Yes, I I agree with the gift of the quarantine, but Mm -hmm. a a lot of people are rejecting that gift. (laughs) They are. They are. And and my guess is that the universe will just bring them some more gifts and more opportunities, perhaps, to slow down. You're right. I think we all needed to slow it down. Just slow Mm -hmm. down. You know, spend some time with you. Spend some more time with your family. Yes. Spend some time in this loving home that you have built where yes. you don't have a chance to be. Yeah, and spending some time in gratitude, right? And that's yeah. kind of another thing that Isaiah, I think, offered me was, you know, be present in the moment. You know, be grateful for where you are at right now in this moment. Not what's going to happen five months now or, or a year from now or this my next job or the tomorrow even, right? But right now, and there's, there's such, yeah, I mean, there's such beauty in that. Mm-hmm. There it is. 
outside of Isaiah, who is and continues to be an influence for you, can you name someone else who might have been influential in this journey? I would say my husband has been a huge influence. He doesn't know that I'm saying this, but so it should be an interesting response. <laughs> he is an individual who is so grounded. He is so now he's like he's he's very early constitution, slow moving, slow to change, so grounded. And me, I'm like all the time. And I think he has allowed me the space, an unconditional, loving, compassionate space and offered me permission to be who I am. Oh my, that's beautiful. Yeah, and who I've always been. And even how crazy my ideas get or, you know, the experiences that I have that I shared, there's no judgment. There's just presence with me. That's fantastic. How long have you been married? You know, we were talking about this last night and I thought it was only 10 years and he informed me it was 15. (laughs) So I was like, wow. How did you lose five years? (laughs) I'm I'm not not one to remember our anniversary or things like that. So I'm happy with that too. (laughs) Yeah. So it's kind of a drop in the bucket, but at the same time, so such importance. I don't know that 15 years is a drop in the bucket. Well, compared to some of these people that have been married 60, you know? That's true, but let's not compare. 15 is a significant number of years. Yes. And yes, that's a beautiful thing. Yes. Let's talk about some of your, what do you call them, clients? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you think there's any type of stigma around people coming to get help? Yes, huge stigma, especially with the populations that I work with, right? I work with veterans, I work with military members. There is an enormous amount of stigma with that, right? If you talk, you have got to be all tough and macho, right? And if you are not, and have maintain your military bearing, which is not emotional. So if you come, if you have emotions, right? If you say that you've experienced something traumatic, then there's a, often a huge stigma with that, that you're weak, um, you're not strong enough, right? Yeah. So I think for them, coming in and speaking about that is so courageous, right? Because they're not only probably going against some of their familial or societal stigmas, right? But also the military. And that's powerful. Yeah, because everybody thinks you're in the military, you're tough, you know, you're hardcore, you don't have emotions. Right. Exactly. And then, you know, the majority, not the majority, excuse me, you know, the individuals that I've I've treated within the prison system as well as the military and currently is a lot of them are sexual abuse survivors, male and female. And I worked briefly for a, as a military sexual trauma coordinator um, within the veterans affairs system. And it was absolutely surprising how many individuals experienced military sexual trauma when they were um, in the service unbelievable amounts what's sticking in my head right now is you're only treating a small number of people i wonder how many more have experienced that and just have not come forward to get help yes um a lot and just similarly to you know childhood trauma and 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 rape right in adulthood even there's a lot of people that don't come forth um saying that they've had that experience and they've had that they've experienced that trauma and 
my hope is that the more and more people come forward, the more and more that we can say yay for you for speaking up and, yeah. and taking care of you and listening and acknowledging your pain. And let's do something about this, right? Because it's not okay. No, it is not. It's not okay. okay. Well, let's hope more people will come forward. Yeah. I'm going to give you a couple of minutes to talk about anything you like to address here. Anything you want to share? Oh my, so many <laughs> things, right? I think that, I think one of the things I'd like to kind of talk about is the importance of acknowledging what your experience is. So once you acknowledge it, I think then you can begin the journey of accepting it. And I don't mean accepting it like, oh, hooray, this happened to me. I mean more of like accepting it that um, this happened. I didn't, I could, could not change it. Um, it is what it is kind of thing, right? And then moving forward without having to distort it. Right. So so listening to, to what's going on, acknowledging what's going on, allowing it to be present in its in whatever discomfort it comes in, allowing that to be present, because that is in and of itself healing. That is allowing allowing that energy to flow through you, to be processed through you. So allowing yourself to feel it. And then as you're feeling it, connecting with what it is that you need to nurture that to bring that part of you back into you if, if it was fragmented, right? What, what do you need with that? And then offering that part loving compassion and unconditional love so that it can reintegrate. So with all of that, being present in the moment and that when discomfort comes up or when challenges come up, that it's okay, that it's okay to sit in it. it it's The sun is gonna shine again, right? Even the darkness, may be there for a while, but the sun is always going to shine again. Yes, that's what we need to hold on to. Yes, it's yes. going to rise, it's gonna shine again. And to really just acknowledge and validate your experience. That's extremely helpful. Now, suppose there's someone listening in who would mm -hmm. like to spend more time with you and the help you offer. How mm -hmm. would they connect with you? Well, they, would, they can go to the Center for Conscious Healing website and you'll see my information there. Um, I also have a Facebook page and my um, business or practice is called Soulful Presence. So soul-f-u-l-l presence. Um, and they can certainly look that up on Facebook or Instagram and connect with me there. Um, and just, I also have some groups that I run. Um, I run a combat uh, PTSD group um, I run a women's empowerment group where the majority of the individuals in there, the ladies in there, have some level of trauma throughout the course of their life. Um, and we deal with all sorts of different things in there, but basically how to empower yourself um, and, and to embrace your struggles and to see the opportunity within them. Um, and then I also run a couple of um, spiritual groups, spiritual journey groups where we just talk about what is spirituality? What does that look like for you? How can you grow your spiritual practice? How can you create sacred space? And how can you go within the sacred space within you and your sacred heart? Um, and those groups are just really growing and growing and it's so phenomenal and exciting to watch them. And then in, in the near future, um, I also hope to run some mindfulness groups for children, as well as some cultural um, identity 
I'm not really sure what the name of it's going to be yet, um, but I know there's a lot of children. My my daughter is mixed, um, and she oftentimes struggles with a sense of belonging and where she fits into the world. And so I really want to work on offering some groups for children, no matter what race, no matter what cultural identity, um, in terms of, you know, how do you connect with that? How do you love it? How do you share it? Right? How do you shine it? Um, so those things are coming down the, the pike at some point. <laughs> well, these all sound like I'm sure there are plenty of people who would need them. Hopefully they will reach out to you. I will post links to your Facebook page and then the, what is it, Center for Concept Healing. Yes. Mm -hmm. Post links to both those places in my, I guess on my Facebook page. One thing I like to finish with, and this is a question I ask all my guests is, what does it mean to you to be a woman of awe? Hmm. So I would say after this discussion today, and this probably changes daily, but for today, it's, it's connecting with your inner light and being able to shine that and finding opportunities to do so. Because in each and every one of us, we have such unique offerings and unique gifts and unique light that, in my opinion, needs to be shared with others. Very true. Yes. So that's the biggest thing. So finding ways to foster that. But first is connecting to it. And, and kind of what I often tell the clients I work with is we have to clear the clutter first, right? The yeah. clutter of our lives. Yeah. And then we, get, then we get right in there. And then that's where we find that light. And then how can we foster that? How can we grow it? How can we share it? Yes. Foster the light. Clear the yeah. clutter. Foster the light and share it. Yeah. All right, Jess. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. It has been a pleasure talking to you. I'm glad you accepted our invitation. You've got a lot to talk about. Maybe I'll have you on again to talk about one of the groups that you're leading and what you do in those groups. Yeah, I think that would be important. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. All right, well, thank you so much, Adrian, for this opportunity. You are very welcome, Jess. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining me on the Women of Awe Action, Wisdom, and Excellence podcast. If you are a woman of awe or know someone who you think would be a good fit for the podcast, please contact me via email, womenofawe at adriandillard.com, or you can post to our Facebook page. Always remember to be the best you that you can be. That is the best path to excellence. I hope you can join us next week. Please don't forget to support us by subscribing and leaving a review.